Welcome in to J&B Weekly Wrap-Up. I am Bobby Levine alongside my partner, Jackson Schroeder. Here I am, everybody. Good to be back. This is the last week before Thanksgiving here at Ohio University, the beautiful campus located in Athens, Ohio, so we will not be coming up for next week. So listen to us as this is the last time you'll hear us for, a, I guess, a two-week period before winter break comes in. Uh, before that's we about three episodes left before winter break kicks in, one week before Thanksgiving. Jackson Schroeder, buddy, we have an unbelievable, I guess, episode set for us today. College football rankings came out just about an hour and 17 minutes ago. A little shuffle at the top because we had three of the top four teams lose this past week. Michigan fell to Iowa. Clemson got upset big time against Pittsburgh at home. And Washington fell at home to USC. The top five sits as stands. Alabama at one at 10-0. Ohio State 9-1 at two. Number three is their arch-rival Michigan Wolverines at 9-1. The Clemson Tigers are at 9-1 at 4. Louisville coming in at 5. And then I guess you can go with 6-7. and seven. You have Washington dropping two spots from 4-6. to six. And then the Wisconsin Badgers are 8-2, and two, sitting at 7. What are your biggest surprises? What are your takeaways? What are you happy about this process? Well, I mean, when you have three teams lose like this, in an odd way, this was actually good for Michigan and Clemson. Because if you if you decide to lose this one game this late in the season, how often do you see a team lose and then stay in the top four? That That is ridiculous. I mean, I was just thinking about it. How lucky are Michigan and Clemson to still be in the top four after losing um, to, to weak teams, weak opponents? Okay, so I know the big controversy is Michigan at number three and Clemson at number four. Some people think Louisville should be in there. After thinking about it for a little while, I, I like what the college football committee did. I think I, I know I've been arguing for Michigan, but that that loss to Iowa and their style of football, you know, that hard nosed Big Ten football, low scoring game, that's what Jim Harbaugh excels in. That's the kind of games that Michigan should win uh which week after week. Clemson, on the other hand, they proved that the ACC doesn't have any defense. So both of these teams really really Dropped in my book, but um, I understand them giving the edge to Clemson over Louisville, and that's for the obvious fact that Clemson beat them in a head-to-head matchup. That was early in the year, I think. I said earlier in the year after that game, and I will continue to say that. If if those two teams play ten times, I say Louisville wins the vast majority of those games, at least seven of those games. I think Louisville is the better team, but due to the head-to-head matchup, I do like Clemson being above them in this circumstance. Yeah, right now as it sits, you got two teams from the Big Ten, Michigan and Ohio State, going back-to-back at 2-3. and three. The question I have later on this season is one of those teams will lose to one another, obviously, in two weeks in Columbus, Ohio. The question is, if Louisville ends up winning out, they will not be able to make it to the ACC championship because Clemson has the tie-breaking head-to-head matchup over them. Now, if Ohio State sits out, and doesn't make it because Penn State would have the tiebreaker over them in the Big Ten East. Can Ohio State or Louisville make that four seed with one loss if, say, Washington falls out? In my opinion, yes, I would have Ohio State or Louisville, whoever looks better at the end of the year, in my opinion, would be Ohio State because that win against Michigan in the top three right now would be a, a lot better than any win Louisville has so far to this point. I could see Alabama being one. I could see Clemson jumping Ohio State because they have the ACC championship at two. At three, you would have the Big Ten champion, either Wisconsin or Penn State, if that stays how it is, and Michigan doesn't beat Ohio State. And then I would have Ohio State at four, just because 
the Big Ten champion would have a better leverage on a nine or excuse me, eleven or ten and one Ohio State team. So where I have it now, I like the standings with Louisville being behind Clemson because that's a head to head matchup. They both have a nine and one record. The team that beat Clemson, though, that I'm surprised about is Pittsburgh. They have some huge wins. They have two wins, one against Penn State, who's sitting at eight right now, and one against Clemson, sitting at four. Right now, without those win- uh, if, if those teams did not lose, they'd be skyrocketing up in the standings. If Clemson was undefeated, they'd be at two, and then Penn State had one loss. They'd be probably uh, ahead of Ohio State. Yeah, that's true. I mean, this is how I look at it. This is the best possible situation for Ohio State right now. If you can still make, the, if you can slide by with a win against Michigan, which will be tricky, of course, but uh, if you win that game, then then you do not. And this goes the same for Michigan because if you win that game, then you don't have to play that championship game. You're telling me you can just watch from the sidelines and still make it into the uh, college football playoff. That is so lucky in their situation. I mean, that that's a tricky game. You're, you're gonna play. You're gonna play a good opponent from the west side of that conference. And uh, Wisconsin could win that game. Wisconsin could lose that game. But it all is in the Badgers' hands. And that's very lucky for the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. No, absolutely. I was talking about that with my buddies. Kirk Herbstreit had that call up in Iowa this past Saturday, and he was saying, if you're a Buckeye fan, you're praying this kick misses for Iowa so Michigan can win and you can have that outside chance of beating Michigan and then making that Final Four. And I was going exactly the opposite way. I despise the Michigan Wolverines. I hate them with all my heart. Uh, I've been born and raised in Columbus. Scarlet and gray runs in my blood. I will never root for them. Even in that situation, Iowa played a great ball game. It's it's just a hard-nosed Big Ten game. Great defense, low scoring. A safety was even scored in that game to end up uh, boosting them for that win. But like you said, if you could sit out one game and somehow make the Final Four, we saw that two years ago. Ohio State slipped in, winning that Big Ten championship 59 nothing over uh, Wisconsin. But if you don't have to play that extra game, you don't lose anybody. There's no injuries for that week off. That's an extra week you can prepare for possibly a number one Alabama team. An extra week that's going to be huge on your boys. Switching gears, though, in the talk of college football to possibly playing Alabama as a one seed, what is going on in the SEC right now? I mean, that is your your territory down south. Without Alabama, this conference would not have a single team in the top ten or have a shot at making this college football Final Four. No, I mean, that's true. And it, and it is tough for me to admit that because I've, uh, I've developed a – I'm a big fan of the SEC, as you all know um, – but yeah, the Alabama is carrying that conference. The East is garbage. The West continues to fall off. I mean, you've got teams like LSU who were terrible at the beginning of the season, making their way back and getting some big wins. You've got Auburn making some big wins, big moves, but they just dropped last week after a loss to Georgia. The big argument for the SEC is always that they're beating each other up, and I think that's very true to an extent, but we will never really know the truth to this completely until the bowl season because we don't know what we don't know how Georgia will do against whoever they play uh we do not know how um LSU or Auburn or even any of those teams from from the SEC West will do in bowl games I hope they put them up against Big Ten teams because I really want to see those matchups um I still believe that this is a good conference and that they will be back and they're going to stick around the SEC is still going to be the probably the best conference in college football in the next 10 years or so this year they're not and i will say that very certainly the the big 10 is ahead of them um but they're not going anywhere and they do beat each other up 
but we'll see how 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 well they do by the time bowl season comes around. Because I'd love to see some of these teams uh, with three or four losses come and beat some one or two loss Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac twelve uh, teams. Yeah, but you say that the beating up part. If you're a good or great team, you don't get beat up by other teams. And Alabama right now is destroying the SEC, making them look like their little sisters. That's what I have to say. Like, yes, they might beat each other up, but Alabama is head over heels better than everyone else in that conference right now. And when you're Auburn and you lose to Georgia, Georgia right now is 6-4. and four. They were a game over 500 before that game happened. You can't lose to a team from the East. The East is disgraceful. There is not a single team that I am threatened that the fourth best team in the Big Ten would lose to. I mean, right now the fourth best team in the Big Ten is probably Wisconsin or Penn State, and I see Penn State running through that whole division, and Penn State isn't even that good of a team in my opinion. I don't know. We will see, though, because the thing with these SEC teams is, uh, even in the East, they are not doing well this year, but they still have the talent there. They're getting five-star recruits year after year. So, yeah, they might not have everything together. Georgia started this year with a fresh, a true freshman quarterback. Well, he started after the first quarter. Grayson Lambert got the first few snaps. But a true freshman quarterback, and he was a five-star recruit, there's some growing room. But that also speaks to the fact that these teams can win or lose any game. That proves Ole Miss beating Texas A&M. Um, the talent pool is huge. That's what makes it so dangerous. And that's why they beat up on each other because – these teams, even the worst teams, besides Kentucky or something like that, no five-star recruits go there. But these, these SEC West teams, these top-tier SEC East teams, Georgia, Florida, they could win any week. They they could because they have that talent pool, and that's what makes them dangerous. And then vice versa, that also makes them susceptible to losing, and that's that's why they beat up on each other, just because all these teams can come out and win or lose every week depending on how their stars play and a lot of times right now in the east especially these stars are young yeah well you look at the ap top 25 week or preseason excuse me coming into this season you had alabama at the top they have not moved you had lsu at five if they didn't have a quarterback situated they might have beaten wisconsin early on i still think wisconsin was a good enough team to beat them with a good quarterback as they did up in uh, green bay so that team was at five now they're dropping back but now they're coming back up with a big win Tennessee had first place votes at number nine. They are not even close to the top 25 anymore. Ole Miss was 11, nowhere close to the top 25. You scroll down a little bit, then you ha- end up having Florida at 25, and they just got, I mean, they're just a trope. I mean, I know they're the top of the top, uh, top of the East, but they do not look good at all. They have no offense. You think coming into this year, they would understand that they need an offense and had everything going with uh, Jack Del Rio's son as quarterback. The defense has been always there. But they just can't get things rolling. The East, in my opinion, is just holding down that conference big time. And then you look at the West. Again, I talked about LSU not finding a quarterback till later on in the season. A&M is now in the middle of the pack range. And then Auburn, I just, I'm just i very confused on that team big time as well, losing to Clemson uh, early on in the season and this past week to uh, Georgia. But I'm just tired of everyone drooling over the SEC this year right now. It's head over heels. The Big Ten is by far the best conference in all of college football. Now, if you look at the rest of the top 25 for the college football rankings, you've got a couple teams you've got to take note on. You look at Western Michigan sitting at 10-0. They are the top non-Power 5 conference, so they should get a very nice bowl game as long as they keep winning out. They still have two more games in the MAC, and then they can play in the MAC championship, possibly against Ohio University here. 
Um, and then also you got to look at, in my opinion, maybe one of the most dangerous teams to make a jump in Washington State. Right now they're at number 22 in the nation, 8-2. and two. But if you look at their schedule to end this year, they play at Colorado, who's ranked 10 right now. And then the next week playing uh, home against Washington, who's number 6. You've got two top 10 teams left. And then you can play Utah Utes in the uh, the Pac-12 championship. And Utah's ranked at 12. They could have three possibly top 10 matchups to end the year. That jump for them, they could end up making some noise with two losses in that Pac-12 race. Yeah, that's true. And another thing you have to look out for, especially this week, is Louisville. They're playing Houston. Houston is not ranked right now, but they haven't lost in a little while. They're sitting at 8-2, and two, and Tom Herman's team is still dangerous. That Louisville is favored in that game but I, by, I think, 13.5 points. Um, but that's a dangerous game. That's one that everyone was looking at at the beginning of the year, including Bobby and myself. We are looking at and saying, well, this could determine which team makes a college football playoffs. And while things have not really shaken out that well for Houston or Louisville sitting outside right now, this could still determine if Louisville makes it into the college football playoffs. If Louisville wins this game big, that's a big confidence booster, and that's a big booster um, in the in the uh, college football playoff ranking uh, poll. I mean, Louisville wins that game. That's still a really big win for them. On the other hand, they lose that game. That's a huge loss. That knocks them out of any possible consideration for the college football playoff. All right, now looking at the top four for right now, Jackson, at the end of the year, who do you have at the top four and who's your five and six teams sitting out? Okay, well, obviously we've got Alabama at number one. I'm before, gonna go- before we go in there, can Alabama lose a game and stay in the top three? Even top four, obviously. I don't see them dropping out of the top four. But if they lose, say, Auburn to end the year or they lose the SEC championship game and go into the – Bowl predictions at twelve and one. What do you have them at? Uh, I think they stay in the playoff. They might they might drop to three or four as they probably should, um, but they're still a one loss Alabama team, and um, and and you can't and the committee wants an SEC team in there. The SEC is still a great conference. Uh, they want they want an SEC team in there, and there's no better choice than the Crimson Tide. Okay, I'm agree with you. So number two through four, and then who are your two teams out? Okay, number two. Um, I'm going to have Ohio State sticking at number two. I think they beat Michigan, and I think that they do do not – well, they obviously will not go to the Big Ten Championship, but I think that win over Michigan is better than um, anything Penn State or Wisconsin can do. I don't see either of those teams jumping them with the two losses, even with the Big Ten Championship. Number three, this is where it gets tricky. I have – I want to say Louisville's in there. I want to, um, but I don't see Clemson losing, and uh, I don't see, and I don't see uh, Louisville jumping them just because of that head-to-head matchup. I see, I see Clemson winning out and sitting in at that third spot. Number four, I've got um, the winner of the Big Ten championship. I think that it'll probably be Wisconsin, and I think that that will be enough to put them in the college football playoff. Um, but it will not be enough for them to jump Ohio State. And due to that loss at Ohio State, I've got uh, – well, excuse me, Louisville stays at five. They're not going to lose again, but there's no reason that they should jump anyone. And then number six would be Michigan. After that loss to, to Ohio State, you can't really have them making it in there with two losses. It's just It just wouldn't work out. Okay, so I have two different scenarios. I don't see Ohio State losing – 
to Michigan at the end of the year. But if they do lose to Michigan, I have Michigan sitting in that top four and making it. But for now, right now, I have Alabama at one. The only way I see them dropping out of the top four if they lose it this week at Ch- or against Chattanooga, who's a one double A squad, you'd have to drop them out because they're eight and two though. They're also ranked at the top, like FCS, is that correct, or FBS? What are the two? FCS. FCS, and uh, that'd be probably the biggest upset in all of college football history. Uh, maybe even sports. <laughs> uh, even I mean, that'd be incredible. Regardless, Alabama will be sitting at one. In this situation, if Wisconsin wins the Big Ten, I would stick Clemson at two for winning the ACC. Ohio State would be at three because they won the head-to-head against Wisconsin in Wisconsin earlier this year. And then I'd have Wisconsin at four. I would have Washington losing at least one more game to Washington State to end the year. In that case, they would be out of the top or top four final predictions. And then uh, I would have Louisville at five and Washington six. And then if Penn State wins the Big Ten, I would have Penn State at number three and Ohio State at four because that's the head-to-head uh, earlier this year, if Clemson loses a game, either in the ACC championship, either the North, North Carolina or to Virginia Tech, that will open the door for a non-ACC winner in Louisville to sneak in the top four. If that happens, stuff will be flipped over big time. It would be a huge, huge loss for the ACC. I don't think the ACC would want that as a, uh, having a Louisville team sit out the ACC championship and make it. Um, yeah, I mean that could be the first time ever we'll see a two or excuse me, uh, no two loss. Te- I guess you'd see a two loss team from the Big Ten make it, but you could have two teams that don't play in a conference championship end up making it. And you know if that happens, the Big Twelve would be very angry at that. But right now, I have Oklahoma winning the Big Twelve, and that head to head gets cut off by Ohio State beating them earlier this year. Yeah, um, it, it's tricky though because now I'm taking a second look at it, and I. In my gut, I want to put two Big Ten teams in there because I think that the Big Ten is by far the best um, conference right now. Um, but it's 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 tricky putting a two-loss Wisconsin team in over a one-loss Louisville team. Do you think that the committee will have any trouble with that, or do you, could you see an argument on either or both sides? So you're arguing is a two-loss Wisconsin team being able to jump – Louisville at the end of the year. I mean, like, I can see how that would happen because I think that if Wisconsin and Louisville played in a head-to-head matchup, that Wisconsin would win. But that's pretty much the only thing that I can uh, do, uh, that I can give them. Because in my eyes, a loss is more detrimental than than winning the conference championship. So I I would want the one-loss team... In rather than the two lost team with the conference championship. So here, here's where I look at it in this standpoint. I have two notes. First off, Wisconsin with two losses sitting at seven. The last year was the highest ever a two loss team in the college football ranking was ranked. That was Stanford at six with two losses at the end of the year uh, after b- destroying Iowa in that Rose Bowl game. Uh, I believe the record was twelve and two, uh, if not. Yeah, I think it was either the twelve and two or eleven and two. Wisconsin at seven, they have a chance to possibly move up. In my opinion, they have a great chance. And then Penn State sitting at eight. But if you're looking at the college football grading material, they have four things they look at: conference championships are number one. And if you're Louisville and you don't even win your side of division, and then you see Wisconsin not only win that side of division and then win the conference overall championship of the Big Ten, and as we are agreeing, I guarantee the committee is agreeing. Since they have four teams in the top eight right now for the Big Ten, 
and the Big Ten is the best conference. If you win that with two losses, you are definitely going to jump a Louisville team. In my opinion right now, you look at Louisville, their best win is against Florida State. Florida State's ranked 17th in the nation right now. So that's my problem. If you look at Wisconsin, they played, they would have beaten a top 10 team in Penn State. They would have took in Michigan and lost to them by seven at Michigan earlier this year. And they took Ohio State to overtime. I know you're saying losses are not good, but if your best wins in the top 10 and your losses are to two top 10 teams, barely, I think that trumps a Louisville team's best win with a team that's barely in the top 20 right now. Okay, I, li- I like that response. I mean, I was just looking for some merit to putting in a two-loss team over the one-loss team. I don't know how the committee would really take that, but I-, I hope they do take it like that because I do think that Wisconsin in a head-to-head matchup, again, would beat the Cardinals. Do you see if Washington wins out, say Washington wins out, Michigan wins out, and Clemson wins out, do you think those teams end up jumping everyone and going in the t- Final Four once again? So it would be Alabama 1, Michigan 2, Clemson 3, and Washington 4 with all one loss? Uh, you, is the Pac-12 eliminated right now? I think the Pac-12 is eliminated right now. I mean, this I, I do think that they're going to lose again to Washington State. I mean, I believe, I'm with you that. Yeah, if not but, to lose in the Pac-12 but if they, if they do not lose, it's, an, it's another thing. The one loss Washington team. But the committee is – is they they aren't – how do I put this? They aren't really fair – um, they, they don't just look at, uh, so before the college football playoffs, they would put in the two be- teams with the best record. They wouldn't look at schedule that much. That's why you got Ohio state teams losing, being blown out by, uh, by sec teams in LSU and Florida. Now the committee doesn't look, the college football playoff committee doesn't look at it quite like that. They choose the four teams that are, they think are truly the best teams in college football. And I think if these if the committee puts in Washington, they're making a mistake because they put Washington in at four. That would make they know even with one loss, even with a one loss Washington team, that team would get blown out by Alabama. And I think that they know that. I know that, and it would just be a bad look for the college football uh, playoff committee. I mean, we said it last year when we saw the Final Four being Michigan State, Alabama. We thought that game was going to be the best game of the of the college football Final Four. Alabama absolutely shut down that whole argument by shutting out Michigan State and then you you brought in the Big 12 with Oklahoma being the first time ever because the year before they had Baylor and TCU being jumped by Ohio State as Ohio State won it all and Clemson took care of that and that was a blowout so there was two blowout games I think the committee wants to come back this year and wants to make it a very very competitive final four because when it's blowouts no one cared they were worried about the fireworks going off for New Year's because it's the worst time ever uh, that's a whole other story is having it on New Year's Eve. I yeah. mean, it's a dumb thing, and they're switching it after this year. But if you could have Ohio State playing on Alabama for the first game of the – or the, I mean, they, they put that in the second game because that is the two biggest teams in college football. And then for a two- and three situation, you can have Penn State or Wisconsin playing Clemson. I think those defenses would shut down Clemson's offense, and then you can see a very slow offense go against not the best offense, but you can see some very good games in between that. I think the committee wants to get the four best teams, and I think they realized last year holding Ohio State out and allowing Oklahoma to jump in there hurt them big time because I think Ohio State was still a top four team. They lost the one game to Michigan State late in the year, and that hurt them. They blew out uh, Notre Dame in the in the uh, Fiesta Bowl. I think the committee are planning this year. You know what? Forget about putting a Pac-12 team in because they're going to put in the four best teams. The, I, they should, yeah, 100% yeah. should. And right now, Jackson and I are both agreeing that Ohio State. 
and if not Michigan, whoever wins that game should deserve to be in with if they cannot play in the Big Ten Championship. But Michigan would because they have the outright head-to-head against Penn State. So looking at this week's slate of games in the college football world, there is a couple big ones, Jackson. We're going to dive into a couple of them. I'll ask you, who do you have and why? Uh, I guess you could start out on Thursday night. Louisville ranked fifth going on the road to Houston. If Louisville loses this game, that takes them out of the playoff picture as a whole. I guess you could say Clemson can limp on in, even with two losses, I think. If they lose in that ACC championship game, they still get in because I still think they're a better team than a Pac-12 team with two losses. But who do you have against uh, the Cards and the Cougars? Louisville is favored by 14 here on ESPN.com. Well, I'll, I'll say this first. 14 is a lot. Houston's sitting at 8-2. and two. I know they've lost some games against uh, uh, two weaker opponents in SMU. Um, but this game is in Houston. This game is a night game. And Louisville is, and Houston has nothing to lose. This they, this is their game, Tom Herman's game, to get their name back on the map. He wants a big catapult into the bowl season and a big catapult into next into next year if he decides to stay with the Cougars. Um, but Houston has nothing to lose. Louisville is on their heels. They are scared of this game. They don't want this matchup. They haven't wanted this matchup all year long. And I still think this is going to be. A very close game coming down to the end. These are two firing offense. Defense is sort of weak on both sides. But it's going to be a high-scoring game. And Louisville will win because they're the more talented team and they have Lamar Jackson. But Houston is going to give them a run for their money. I think Houston comes out of the gates hot. And they and they take a big lead, maybe going into halftime. Louisville will settle down and end up getting that win. But they're, they're going to be scared. It's on the road at 8 o'clock. I've got Louisville winning by... Um, Max a touchdown. I'm going to disagree with you here. Tom Herman has been drooling over this game since they end up getting tripped up a couple of times and when they have the shot at making the Final Four very early on in the year, beating Oklahoma to start the year off. They haven't been playing well at all, that Houston Cougar team. And, and Louisville has been kind of skating along. I know this past week they got that win against Wake Forest, but they were losing in the fourth quarter. They ended up putting up like 30-something straight points on uh, Wake Forest defense and got things rolling there late in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, I look at the American Conference. They're a very, very, very tough competitive conference from top to bottom. You've got South Florida 8-2, Temple 7-3. That's in the east. And the west, Navy can play with anybody. It's so hard going against that triple option attack. Houston can go up against anyone at 8-2. And and then Tulsa sitting at 7-3. I think Tom Herman gets the boys ready at home and ends up surprising a lot of people and taking Louisville out of the contention and surprising and upsetting them uh, Thursday night on ESPN at 8 o'clock. A game I'm looking at, no one else is really, but I'm a diehard Ohio State fan. I'm more nervous about this game than playing Michigan. Michigan looked awful on the road in Iowa at night. Uh, their quarterback, Spate, is out for the season. I forgot to mention that. He broke his collarbone, so now they have a backup quarterback. He's going to play this week um, before he plays Ohio State in Columbus. It's going to be a very, very hostile environment. I don't think Michigan's going to be able to be ready for that with the backup quarterback. Obviously, Ohio State had that a couple years ago with Cardale Jones. But Michigan State, they got nothing to lose. They have a chance to beat not only Ohio State this week, but Penn State next week. If they win both those games, they would they would ruin the season for Penn State and Ohio State for getting a championship and then also making them bowl eligible at 5-7. and seven. Ohio State on the road at 12 o'clock in East Lansing. Ohio State's favored by 22.5. Do you see any surprises here in this game? Let me go out and say this. I do not see Ohio State losing this game. They're too determined. 
and they're too they're too much better. They they are too they are ridiculously more talented than this Michigan State team. Um, Michigan State has when they played Michigan, they, they're they're hot at home. I mean, the, the Spartans were in the playoffs last year. They're still they've got some talent and some swagger still still hanging around there. When they played Michigan at home a few weeks ago, they they only lost by ten points. I don't see Ohio State covering the spread, which is uh, twenty two and a half points, but I see them winning big. I I don't see. Michigan State ever really giving them a run for their money. I think Ohio State leads by at least two touchdowns pretty much throughout the duration of this game. Um, and I don't think Ohio State is looking is looking past Michigan Michigan State because they know how dangerous they can be. Urban Meyer won't let Ohio State look past Michigan State in this uh, matchup, which would be easy to do. Um, but I don't think they will. And they're too talented. They're too determined. They're play- They're too hot. Um, I-, I see this being a big win. Okay, I got a couple things that – quote on you in this one urban meyer was asked if he was going to watch the rankings he said no we have michigan state to worry about this week i think he realizes that last week ohio state was upset big time in columbus against this michigan state spartan team obviously connor cook is gone they're very injury prone right now this michigan state team uh they lost their uh offensive uh one of their offensive linemen tyler higby uh big boy he ended up getting rolled up on his ankle and taken out he ends up needing surgery and his season is over so very tough loss for the Spartans uh, O-line. They're playing switching quarterbacks as well. So I don't know. Again, they're they're going to come out and play. They're up at home. Um, they got their first Big Ten win last week against Rutgers. So expect them to come out. But Ohio State, the last two games, have beaten teams a combined score 124-6. to Beating teams uh, – both 62-3 to three both times. The offense is rolling. Ohio State might be peaking at the right time. Knock on wood. Hopefully, we'll see what happens. Another game a little later in the Big Ten, Indiana at Michigan. Spate is out. Can Indiana close that gap? The spread is 23.5 for the uh, Wolverines against the Hoosiers. Can that high, I guess, Indiana high-flyer and offense come back and, and make that a close game? Uh, I don't think Michigan will let them. I don't think it'll be a high-scoring game. I don't like the spread because of that. I don't think Michigan's going to go out and score 23 more points than I think they're going to run the ball heavy with Peppers at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're relying on with speed out right now. Um, It's going to be a low-scoring game. It'll probably be like 21-7 to is what I would predict for this. I think Michigan's going to – their defense is too good. Um and they and they know that they can't lose this game. They're not going to look past, especially after losing last week to a team like to an Iowa team who was much worse uh, than Michigan. They're not going to look past Indiana. Um, it's not going to be a huge blowout, but they're going to win by 14 points. All right. So we've said the last couple of weeks that there is always going to be change in the top 20 or top four, and it's happened every single week. Last week, there's three teams. Out of all the games in the top four, I think this game right here, Clemson at Wake Forest. A lot of people are looking over Wake Forest. I think uh, Pittsburgh might have shined a light on how to beat this Clemson team. Just gun at them. you got to keep putting up points. You can't slow down at all. I think the fourth quarter got away from Pittsburgh a little bit. They got lucky with a couple calls and ended up beating Clemson late with an uh, unbelievable finish. Uh, regardless, Wake Forest has played tough this whole year. Again, I, I commented earlier on this year they ended up beating – or not beating. They took uh, Louisville to the end before they got blown out in the fourth quarter. Um, they got big wins over Virginia, Syracuse. Uh, they even beat Indiana. I mean, early on this season they were putting up 38, 33 points. 
they're going to need to put up a little bit more to end up competing, but I think their defense is where it's at and needs to be. They've held a lot of, they've held Florida State to 17 points. So if they can hold a great offense like Florida State to that low, you never know if they can keep Deshaun Watson in the pocket and make him throw the ball. I mean, this game could be a little closer than what I think it's going to be, but uh, if any game, I would put that asterisk around that four versus uh, Clemson versus Wake Forest game. Yeah, I mean, if you were to ask me that question, I would say the same thing. I, that would be the the most possible upset, but um, I don't see it happening. I mean, Wake Forest just lost last week to Louisville, forty-four to twelve. The ACC relies on really good offenses, and I think that's the only way that they could beat Clemson. And if you look at the the, the Wake Forest offense, they're about the only team in the ACC that lives on defense. You look at scores like against Ohio, uh, Florida State, excuse me, uh, th- that was a 17-6 to loss. Uh, that's the only way this team can keep it close. All, all these games are low scoring. When you look at any other uh, team in the ACC, all of them are high scoring losses. Wake Forest defense isn't good enough to hold Clemson back into Sean Watson, um, and they're not going to be able to put up the numbers to compete with them. So I see, I see Clemson winning this game pretty big. All right, so there you have it. We think the top four will stay as it is this week. Maybe watch out for that Louisville game at five. Everything else is a toss-up. We're going to switch gears just to touch on the NFL before we wrap things up, before the Thanksgiving break. The New England Patriots were beat at home by the Seattle Seahawks in an incredible game of that rematch the Super Bowl a couple years ago. The final play was a... I guess a fade route to Gronkowski in the corner of the end zone. Cam Chancellor was on on him. Brady led him a little too far. Gronk not in the best health and shape he's been in in the NFL in his career. Do you think that was pass interference? Did you see it at all? And are the Patriots, do you have any concerning moving forward to the rest of the season? Um, well, it doesn't really matter if it was pass interference or not. They were they were going to lose the game. Well, if they would have made that, that would have been first. If they would have called pass interference, it would have been first and goal again. It would have, it would have reset their downs, and then they would have had a chance to either run the ball again or not throw a little slant. I'm surprised by the play call. I didn't like the play call at all. But go ahead. Well, here, here's what I take from it. Whether that I don't think that would have decided the game. Um, I I don't know if it was. I don't know. It's it's too kind. Con- it's it's too close to say that that's the reason that the Patriots lost. What I take away from this game is that the Patriots can be defeated, and and w- with Tom Brady, Tom Brady was held to terrible numbers in that game. I don't even think he threw for a touchdown, had a had an interception. But that's what a good defense can do. And like I said last week, I think Seattle is one of the only teams that can beat the Patriots. And right now, you've got Dallas at number one in the power rankings. When it comes down to it in the playoffs, I think that both New England and Seattle, New England won't even have to play Dallas because Seattle will beat them in the in the playoffs. I, I think Seattle has been there before, knows how to do it. The the Cowboys are good, but they're too young. These are still these the Patriots and the Seahawks are the best teams in the NFL right now, and this just proves that any team could win. This like it came down to the wire. I I know that. New England could very well win the next matchup if these two teams play again uh, in the Super Bowl. Um, this isn't like a deciding factor for the, these two teams, um, but it, but it proves that they can be beaten, and I love to see that because it keeps things competitive. It makes the NFL a little bit better this season. I think the NFL is shaping out great. I think everyone was freaking out about the ratings earlier this year with the election going on. I think ratings were super high. I think the best game of the whole weekend 
was Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys running all over that Steelers defense in Pittsburgh. I think you have to right now, more than halfway through the season, give the MVP and Rookie of the Year to Ezekiel Elliott, who's got the best O-line in football. Now you're saying the Cowboys would lose to the Seahawks. I got a stat here for the Seahawks. The last four years, dating back to 2012, under Pete Carroll's coaching ability, do you know what the biggest loss they had was? 10 points. They haven't lost by more than 10 points in four years. That is a large sample size. That means they keep games close or they blow out the team. That is huge moving forward. It used to be before they could only play at home. Now they're going on the road to New England and beating them. So right now, the Cowboys would have that one seed in the NFC, and the Seahawks would have that two seed being 6-2-1. and one. So the all roads would lead through Dallas to get to the Super Bowl. But obviously seeing that game on Sunday night, the Seahawks can play anywhere and anybody at any time. I think Dak Prescott will need to step up as he has this year leading the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys, even though they're the one seed, would be the dark horse to win that whole NFC picture. I think they're my favorite at coming out of the NFC right now. They're, they're like the um, the Panthers aren't a good example. They're like the they're like the Packers. You know, the Packers always, except for this year, they're not a good example this year. But the Packers always have great um, regular season records. They're always twelve and four, thirteen and three, but they never get it done in the playoffs. I see the same sort of thing with this Cowboys team, and I think that they will make it there in, like in a couple years if they keep this offensive line. They're dangerous with that offensive line, um, but. I, I don't see them winning the big game under pressure. Yes, Ezekiel Elliott deserves all the praise in the world for the performance that he's done this year. And Dak Prescott as well. But they are true rookies. And and I don't think that they, they, they will be able to take on and defeat a Seattle Seahawks team in the playoffs when it comes down to it. But we'll see. Before I move away from the NFC East and the Dallas Cowboys, did you see the press conference Tony Romo had today? I did. It, it was very mature. Immature? Mature. Oh, mature. I was going to say hats off to Tony Romo. It looked like he was holding back tears the entire time. You know he's got a competitive edge. He's a starting quarterback in the NFL. If you don't have a start, uh, competitive edge, you should not be in this league. He outright said that this team is Dak's team. You get a couple chances to make your name in the NFL, and Dak Prescott has gone way above and beyond what his expectations are, and that's why it's his team. You saw that re video replay against Pittsburgh where they showed Romo on the sideline and he smiled to himself and said, it's his time, it's his team. I mean, an unbelievable job by Tony Romo. And you know what he, What separates him from Brett Favre is, because they're both gunslingers, is Brett Favre never took Rodgers under his wing and, and coached him. Romo will be there every step of the way with the headset on telling him what he needs to do. He knows it's not his team anymore. He'll be fine this year sitting out and waiting to see what will happen with his team and then moving forward with another team next year because this is Dak's team and Dak's future with his team. I am I have never been a Romo fan, but I am blown away by what he said and what he did in that press conference. I would love to see him play for another team next year and do well. I mean, obviously, being a Cowboys quarterback, you get a lot of hate because you're America's team. A lot of people don't like you because of that. But uh, unbelievable job for Tony Romo. Looking at the rest of the NFL, though, that is not the Cowboys, do you have anybody pressing the panic button right now who started out hot and falling off the page or, or, or anything like that? Um, well, when you look at um, the Eagles and, 
and the Falcons, I they're sort of doing the same thing that they do every year, especially the Falcons year after year. It seems that they come out hot and then sort of fall off. That's just because they've got a great offense and no defense. Um, but the Eagles just uh, they're, they're last place in the NFC East right now. They started off the year first place, um, and uh, the and the and Carson Wentz is still a great. He's gonna, he's a great rookie quarterback. The Eagles are still undefeated at home. Not a bad team, but they're not making the playoffs this year. There's no way. Okay, so you have the Eagles, and you said the Falcons is pushing the panic button. Right now the Falcons are first place in the NFC South. The Carolina Panthers were hot on their tail before losing this past week. They were up 17-3 at halftime against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs came back, shut them out the second half and won 20-17. Hats off to Andy Reid and the Chiefs right now this season. That whole division there in the AFC West, incredible. you got the Chiefs at 7-2, the Raiders at 7-2, and the Denver Broncos at 7-3. And even, like I said, the San Diego Chargers can play any week with anybody. Um, I got the panic button in the NFC North. You mentioned them, the Green Bay Packers, right now 4-5. and five. They've lost three games in a row. They are falling apart. Rodgers does not have a zip on his ball. It's weird. With maturing quarterbacks, you saw last year Carson Palmer look unbelievable. You've seen uh, quarterbacks in the late, like Drew Brees, even putting the ball on the money. Rodgers has fallen off, and he's not even up in the age that that high yet. I don't. I don't think that he's like this. Isn't an indicator for his career. I think he's having an off year. You think he's having an off year? Yeah, I think he'll come back. He's still young. He he's determined. I think also another team in that division, the Minnesota Vikings. They were five and zero. Oh, they've lost four games in a row. They just booted their kicker Blair Walsh. He's not been getting the job done there. The Blair Walsh project is like Blair Witch project. Kind of funny. Um, and then another team to keep an eye out for is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've lost an entire month in a row. They were 4-1 and one to start the year off, and they lost four games in a row. A heartbreaker on Thursday – or excuse me, Sunday night uh, evening going in the evening, the 4-30 game, excuse me. Um, yeah, losing to the Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott ran, running all over them, whether it's screen passes or just busted huge holes in that gashing defense of theirs. Watch out for the Steelers. I mean – Tomlin got a huge hit right at him. Ben Roethlisberger after the game said they were out coached. The play calling wasn't there. I mean, that's him directly. That is a veteran quarterback wanting another ring before he gets out of this league. He knows he's beat up, and he knows he's always beat up because that's how he plays. He plays reckless as a quarterback. But if I'm a coach or the owner there, you got to keep your eyes out for that one. That's I mean, that's ears or eyes, whatever you want. That's unbelievable. The Steelers aren't used to losing. I mean, I can't believe that the Ravens have squeaked their way back to the top of that division, but that's just due to the Steelers and the Bengals falling off. Tensions are hot right now in Pittsburgh. Yes, Tomlin has been there a while, and Pittsburgh likes to keep their coaches around for a while as well. Um, but this this organization isn't used to losing. I think the last time that they like weren't, weren't that great, didn't have a great regular season record, was when they were... I might be wrong here, but I think they were eight and eight, or maybe nine and seven. Before after. last year, they didn't make the playoffs for like two or three years in a row. Yeah, but they were still good. They were still up there. Um, but that and that was also following their Super Bowl win against the Cardinals. Um, it, it, it's it's tricky. They they don't know how to lose, and they're not used to it. I think they'll figure it out. And they're not a losing organization. They still have an easy schedule for the rest of the year. I think they'll still end up winning that division. Yeah, looking at this week here, we are now. Moving forward to week 11, there are two matchups we want to talk about before we wrap things up here between two, or excuse me, both uh, division leaders here, 
at 1 o'clock on CBS, the Baltimore Ravens are at 5-4, and four, lead that AFC North division against the Dallas Cowboys. We mentioned before, it's in Dallas. Dallas is favored by seven points. Can Dak Prescott keep riding this hot wave that everyone's talking about and beat this Ravens team that just keeps on churning? I know they're a very weird team. They just seem to be floating above. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see the Ravens winning this matchup. I haven't liked them all year long. They don't have the talent there, and they don't have the coaching is there, but they don't have the talent. Um, there's a lot of veteran players. They're just not clicking. They're just, they're all right. They're an all right team, and they shouldn't be sitting atop of the AFC North. And uh, the the Cowboys are too hot, and the Ravens are scared. They're sitting on their heels. They know that they're going to lose this game, and that's how it's going to end up. Yeah, it's a, it's the AFC North is very weird this year. In past, it's been the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Bengals have been super hot. They've been destroying everybody. They've been falling back as, as of recently. Obviously, the Browns have yet to win a game this year. Very embarrassing by them. I think the Ravens could surprise a lot of people, but I'm st- I can't go against the Cowboys team. After they beat the Steelers, they look so good. Everything was clicking for them. They're putting up 30-plus points every single week. They can't be stopped. I mean, look at the last couple weeks. They put up 35 against the Steelers, 35 against the Browns. Those Both those games were in Cleveland and Pittsburgh. At home, they put up 29 against the Eagles, 30 against the Packers, 28 against the Bengals, and they took off the dogs there. Um, they've been just putting up points left and right. You do that, that helps the defense out tremendously. Then moving down to Monday Night Football, the Houston Texans, a team that is no one talking about, Brock Osweiler getting the job done at 6-3, and three, very weak division, though, in the east there, um, excuse me, the south, the AFC South, going against the AFC West leader and the Oakland Raiders at 7-2. and two. Oakland is favored by 5.5 points. Do you see Derek Carr keeping a hot hand as well and beating Brock Osweiler? Oh, uh, yeah, I do. I think that the Texans um, – they aren't quite there yet, and I don't think the Raiders quite are yet either. I think that they are, uh, or have probably both of these teams, their records don't really stand for how great they are as programs. I think they are all both up and coming programs, which will be a force in the next few years. Um, but the Raiders have the edge right now. They're sitting at seven and two. They've got the more they've they've got the better wins behind their belt, beating the Broncos um, this past week. Uh, they had, a, they had a bye week this past week, but before that, the last game they played, they beat the Broncos by 10 points. They're, they're, they suffered a toll in the power rankings this week by just sitting on the sideline. It was their bye week. I think they're ready to get back out there and make some more statements. I think the Raiders will win this game. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. I think Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, Murray – uh, running that ball for them has been an unstoppable train. I think they keep that division as the top division in football. Watch out for the Raiders moving forward. Now, we're going to wrap things up here. Again, we have this week coming up off for Thanksgiving, so there will not be an episode. Uh, the following week we'll be back at it. We'll be diving into hopefully playoff picture football in both the NFL and college football. Uh, Jackson, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving break. Also, I want to give a huge shout-out to my uh, – Flag football team, he heard footsteps, that's the name. Last two games in the playoffs, we are now in the lead eight. We've won fifty one nothing and now or sixty one nothing and now fifty nothing this uh tonight. Uh wanna give a huge shout out also to my teammate Adam P taping up my ankle, being a great doctor on the sideline as I had a huge high ankle sprain the game before. But again, Jackson and I will be on next week, uh excuse me, two weeks from now after the Thanksgiving break. So everyone have a great week off. Eat some turkey, watch some football, and hopefully listen to this podcast. Everyone, have a great one.